boys and girls, children of all ages. I sometimes feel like I'm the ringleader at the circus, although we do another show here on the network called Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. So the circus that doesn't mistreat animals, you know, like Cirque du Soleil. I'm like the ringleader at Cirque du Soleil, or, or maybe I'm just the host of a radio show that does two things. I help nonprofit leaders. What do we do? Tell their story and amplify their message. That's what philanthropy and focus is all about. It was an idea. It was a marble that rolled around inside of my cabeza for, I don't know, two years. And then my friend here on the network, Sam Leibowitz, talkradio.nyc, I told him about it. And it took another six or eight months for me to get through some other stuff I was working on to make this happen. But now we're over 50 episodes, 50, 54, 55 nonprofit leaders have come through the virtual attic. I mean, I'm in a real attic. Let me deal, tell you that whole thing. It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. Top of the house. Second floor is below me. The roof is above me. It's a mess, but you don't see the mess because it's my mess and that's away from the camera. But I'm in my attic and I have been in my attic ever since, uh, I guess it was like March 13th of uh, 2020. So that's almost, that, Judy, that's like two years. <laughs> Judy Peterson's here, but that's like almost two years. Like we've like been in this, whatever this new world is. And, and I guess we're going to talk a little bit today about transition and, and some when there's trauma and there's grief. And, and I, I would say I've kind of caught myself um, not as much these days, but caught myself early on in, in 2020 and, and, and even into last year, 21, grieving a lifestyle I had led. You know, not grieving a person, but grieving a lifestyle that I had led. And I'm kind of giving you guys a bit of foreshadow because we're going to talk about uh, grief and, and, and um, we're going to talk about this organization, Hearts of Hope with Judy Peterson. So, look, I tell you all, nonprofits change our world every day, making an incredible impact. I want to give a shout out to my cohorts, uh, the folks that I hang out with at the Institute for Nonprofit Practice. We had our... Um, we had our, our seminar group and then our, our practical group together last night. And I will tell you, I know a lot of things, you know, and I know a little bit about a lot of things is probably better said, but I'm challenged by the, these folks in, in the course with me and, and specifically our, our smaller group when we meet on Thursday nights. Um, so I, you guys know who you are. If you're listening to the show, thank you. Many of you will be guests on this show because you all are leaders of nonprofits. One other thing I want to get out of the way so, so people know about. As we sit here right now, it is uh, February the 4th of uh, 2022. It was pretty cool earlier this week, two days ago. It was 2222, which was fun. My sister loves the number stuff, so I texted her about that. But what I want to tell you as we sit here early Feb of 22, uh, the New York City Imagine Awards applications are out right now. So if you are a nonprofit leader, if you are uh, an, an employee in a nonprofit, if you're the board chair, if you drove past a nonprofit and you know they're doing a good job, tell them about the New York City Imagine Awards. NYCImagineAwards.com is the website. And uh, it, there's five different categories. There's a social impact category, innovation, rising star, leadership excellence, and the arts and culture award. And I've been involved with the Long Island Imagine Awards, I guess, for the last four or five years. And this is the second annual uh, New York City Imagine Awards coming up. So if you are connected to an organization or and if you can't find the website, why don't you send me a note? Tommy D.NYC on Instagram and the same on TikTok. Tommy D at philanthropyandfocus.com. And uh, focus is spelled with a P-H-O-C-U-S because why wouldn't it be? I'm a guy who has six letters in my name. I don't even use my whole last name. So why would I spell focus the way everybody else does? All right, get out of the way, Tommy D. Let's bring the guest on the show. Okay, Tommy D, if you insist. All right, so, Judy, were you ready for this? Did you know, like, this is what it was going to be like? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. You ready? All right, good. All right, I got to make one quick shout out because um, these things don't happen without connections. And while I don't or haven't met Roberta Ginsburg in um, in real life, she saw some of the stuff I'm out there doing, which is, which is certainly um, – it's flattering to see the stuff I'm doing. People are digging it and people are connecting and reaching out. So thank you, Roberta. But she's a board member of your organization, right? And she found me and she said, you know, you got to get Judy on the show, right? Roberta is one of those people who is almost bigger than life. And, and we are so blessed to have her as a board member because she has more energy than any single, well, than any of us combined. And so it's, it's incredible what she does. It's an honor to have her as part of our board. We absolutely love that. 
And I absolutely love that she connected the two of us. It's so cool. Those are my kind of people. Loud, like, like I kind of get out there, make it happen. I dig it. And that's what she did here. She made it happen. And it's funny, like, I, a lot of my guests are either people I, I've met before, I know, like, in the in the physical world or that have been connected to me through my network, right? I call myself the nonprofit sector connector. People are starting to introduce me that way now, which is fun how I created that whole thing. Talk about manifesting, right? Like you could just you do a thing and you put it out there and it, and it's happening just like this show, just like your organization, which, which we're going to jump into, but Re- she found me, Roberta. And, uh, and that's how we got here. And it's funny because when we met earlier this week, because I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people every day, you were telling me the story again and I'm like, Oh my God, we actually hadn't met yet. Roberta. Usually I know people. Right. And then we do a prep call just to be ready. But um, Roberta hooked this whole thing up and I, I had forgotten that this is actually, well, not this, but the other day was our first connection. So without further ado and me dancing and singing and the whole thing, this organization hearts of hope. And it says it's the art of healing just so not not too long ago celebrated uh, 20th anniversary so 20 years of hope right um it, many organizations many folks i've had on the show uh really because i can't think of another way to say it i'll just say it blow my mind how they can take and it's even in my own family my aunt my cousins founded the lindy lou foundation in memory of my cousin linda and when when people take tragedy and loss and as there's so many people out there, so many organizations that, that are founded this way and create something to give back, to make an impact, to put what I refer to as, you know, I didn't make this one up, but the ripple effect, right? To put that ripple effect in motion, it, it warms my heart and blows my mind at the same time. So I have a lot of physical things going on, I guess. My heart's blowing up, my mind is blowing up, but it, it's it, it's very touching. So can we start? Where does this organization come from? Would you tell us your story, please, Judy? Absolutely. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here, Tommy. It's going to be a great hour spending time visiting with you. you. But I can, you know, just to back up a little bit about the people who do, the founders of nonprofits, I've had the chance to meet so many founders of nonprofits. And I can tell you for sure that it's personal. And, And I think that's the coolest part. Whenever I get to meet anybody who's formed an organization, I, I, I often start with that question. I'll ask people, is it personal for you? And typically it always is. And so um, I'm able to, excuse me one sec, my phone's ringing and I got to get that away. So, yeah, so I get to meet these people and I say, is it personal for you? And they say, yes, I've never heard anybody not. And the stories are all compelling, the whys, why people do this. And so I can tell you the, uh, the story of why Hearts of Hope was formed, and, and it is related to my story. And so I can tell you that I was, I was much younger, 21, well, more than 21 years ago. We're in our 21st year. And it was, you know, everything was going along Well, you know, I I hear people tell their stories and they say it was great. It was perfect. You know, and I think that's a grief reaction that we do feel. But I know having learned about this, you know, about what grief is, hearing a million stories. I know that to look at that, you know, to look at the story of loss and say it was perfect is not, it wasn't. But I can tell you that my life as a married person and working, I worked in the corporate world. I didn't, I didn't enter human services until after the death of my late husband. And there I was, he had a, he had a heart attack. He was very young, unexpected. And in fact, he was expected to maybe survive. So we spent the first five days after he had a heart attack talking with the heart transplant teams and, you know, the optimism that comes with that and thinking, we're going we're gonna to beat this. We're going to get out of this. This is going to, this is going to be okay. And then, you know, the turning point at the five day mark to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute maybe not that much okay. And so, so there it was, you know, the, um, the, the outcome was not what anybody was hoping for. And, and there I was thinking, I don't even know what just happened to me. And, and that's kind of what grief feels like that, you know, that we, we can, we can talk forever about stages and how they impact people. And you can even have lots of conversations with, with professionals in the field about maybe the stages aren't even valid, but, 
But I think what the initial reaction for anybody who has had a loss, you know, you may even think you're ready. So, you know, people whose loved ones have been sick forever and were, were anticipating that they were going to die. That time when it actually happens, you are so not ready. Let me stop. If I could stop you there, Judy, one second, because I think there's, this is an incredible story. Thank you for sharing it. That piece that where, where you just said you may not even be ready. Someone has been sick, as you you know, in an example, maybe have been sick for many, many years. Maybe they're elderly and, and they maybe they're going through Alzheimer's or dementia. And this has been like, I don't know another word, so I'll just say an inevitable thing. This was happening, right? It, and But even in that scenario, your point is you're not prepared. You're not ready. We as human, as a species. Right. I believe so. So, you know, we, and, and I, you know, I started my early days in human services as a hospice worker. I'm a social worker, I'm an educated social worker. And uh, that's what my degree was in. That's what the passion that I had for the field, you know, where it, it led me. And I can tell you that as much as people feel they are prepared that, you know, it's like the clock winds back to zero or, you know, the stopwatch goes back to zero the moment of death. And so you, you muddle around. Those first few days are, are you barely remember them. And you're putting one foot in the other. Putting one foot in front of the other is a great accomplishment. And you know, you just you just move forward. You lean on all your supports. And and so I can I can backtrack a little bit. And so there I was in that place of what just happened. And I didn't know where to turn. And suddenly I found myself so fortunate to have people in my life that stepped forward. And, and I think in many cases, there, there were some folks that I thought, well, they'll for sure be here because they'll be here. And perhaps they were not in the way that I thought they would or wanted or however it went. And then out of the blue would come these people I never expected. And, and so that you was find, was. Do you find that to be, to be common in a lot of the people you meet with that there was like, wow. I wouldn't have expected, not that you're, that person isn't a great person and wasn't loving and caring, but that, wow, you came to my aid. And then this, these people that maybe we would have expected to have been around are not as engaged. Is that pretty common in your experience in speaking with folks? It's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think for some people, things just kind of fall into place. But I would say that it's very much more so that that you, you know, you kind of get through your early days of fog, you kind of have this thought, okay, well, maybe this is how it's going to go. And, and it's, it's interesting. And it's sometimes really surprising that it doesn't exactly go that way. I can give you a story. In fact, maybe three weeks before my late husband died, I worked, you know, I told you I worked in corporate world. And so there I was in my office and my coworker, her name was Joan. Her dad had just died. And at that point, you know, being young and never having had any significant loss, death scared me. The concept of loss, I wasn't, I didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. So my, my behavior, my action was do nothing. Mm. And so I can remember that, you know, I saw when I remember one kind of scene in my head, there was Joan walking toward me. There was I, a couple of, you know, my papers and, and all that. And I remember, I suddenly remembered a meeting I was late for, turned, I turned away and walked away. And you know, that is not an uncommon reaction. You just don't know what to say. So, you kind so, of- if, so it's avoidance, right? I mean, that's like a, that's a common human trait, right? I don't, I can't do this thing. I'm afraid. I don't want to lean in. Let me run to the, let me run to the restroom, right? Word, any, yeah, anything. Yeah. So now, now my dentist wow. had died and I did, you know, after they were great, my, my, uh, my bosses and everybody, they were great. They gave me the time that I, that I needed. And then finally, I'm back to work. The first person that approached me, the first person. Joan, I knew it. I knew it. Joan, if you're out there, we love you. Thank you. I'll make one. I saw your picture. We'll make a heart for Joan. We are going to be talking about making hearts today. That's, that's what, uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, not what it's all about, but certainly something that's one of the things that stands out for me about what your organization does. And as I told you, we're going to move fast and we're going to have breaks and stuff. We're going to take one quick break right now, probably about 85 to 87 seconds. I usually say 90, but we're going to be super specific today. (laughs) I'm just trying to make Judy laugh. That's what I'm doing here. Hopefully you guys are laughing along at home. We will be right back. This show is philanthropy and focused. I'm Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. That's Judy Peterson. We were talking about Joan. 
We were talking about Roberta. We're going to talk about a lot of people. We're, we will be back. The organization is Hearts of Hope. Kyle, please take us to a break. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Thank you for dancing, Judy Peterson. You know, it's funny because sometimes I make people sing on the show. So um, you're, you're fortunate and I haven't asked you to, to sing just yet. So uh, look, here's the thing. I want to send hellos and shout outs and the whole thing to some people checking in on Facebook. If you do want to check in on Facebook, if you just happen to be listening right now, go to uh, go to Facebook. And then type in Talking Alternative Broadcasting and you'll find us. Um, shout out to my friend, Linda Berman. Linda, I love you. I, I, the ringleader comment, actually, I always think of you when I send that, say that. Linda, with, uh, with the corporate source, she sent me a T-shirt with like the ringleader, like the big old big top like <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so Roberta's checking in. Yes, we appreciate you, Roberta. Thanks for making the introduction. Um, uh, Vesna. Gross in Dan says, this is the best nonprofit. Judy is incredible. And this program brings so much hope and healing to those who need it most. <laughs> this is for everyone, young and old, in between such a beautiful program. Uh, I, young and old and in between. So it's for everybody. I got a little emotional there, Vesna. Not nice. You almost made Tommy D cry on his own show. Very sneaky of you. Uh, and um, Roberta also just telling us how special the organization is and sharing some information. So if you are looking to learn more about hearts of hope you can check it out on facebook and uh roberta ginsburg will hook you up and judy will hook you up the last thing is my buddy mick collins underscoring what we talked about in that first part of our conversation just because death isn't unexpected doesn't make it any easier to accept you know i'll tell you fortunately both my parents are still alive and um yeah i've lost grandparents um lost some young people who shouldn't have passed um they shouldn't have passed at such an early age and I, I, I just say, like, you know, there's like when someone loses somebody older, it's still their parent or right. You know, or it's still their grandparent. Just just because you might be 50 years old and you lost your 70 year old or 75 year old parent. That's still your mom. That's still your dad. That's not an easy thing to just to just let go. So um, so we're talking about that stuff today. Uh, so so, Judy, so you. Your, your husband passes, you go back to work, but I'm, I'm gathering from the part of the conversation we had the other day, the bit of the notes I've read about you, you weren't happy in corporate anymore. That just wasn't going to be the place. Is that, is that kind of how it shook out? Because prior to that, you ha had not been a social worker. You had not worked in hospice, right? 
Um, it was like, you know, when that occurred, it was really like nothing ever fit again. You know, the, uh, the, the, um, the world literally did turn upside down. The, uh, the people in my world were all still there, but, you know, for the, especially for the folks that I knew as a couple, that couple wasn't around anymore. So all the people that were part of that couple's environment and network were different. And so I I always wonder about that. Like not the same, but like it's um, similarly, I think in, in a divorce situation, like some of that happens, right? Like where the network changes and it's like, well, we all hang out as couples. And then it's like, well, no, now what? Like, is it a, again, I don't know if you've been divorced or not before, but I, I just, things have now shifted. So the relationships did, was it less inclusive for you? If that's a way to say it. Yes. Uh, well, yes and no. Okay. So I think here's what happened for everybody. They all experience this loss and, and that's what happens. It's never just one person who dies and one person who grieves. It it ripples out to so many relationships. And I, you know, I like, I like what you say about divorce because it is almost the same. The, the relationship that you had with couples, even if you're the friend, you know, even for example, if I were the friend of a wife and our husbands kind of knew each other from being together, that that's a big shift. And some of those don't go back. And, and so there's, there's secondary losses. In fact, that's exactly what it's called. Secondary losses occur because now you've lost the life you had. You've lost the person, the life you had with that person, and the relationships that you, the surviving person, had with all of the people in your network. And that can include family and friends, especially in-laws. And it was, you know, it was that kind, it is that big. And I think so, I was not working in human services and the fit wasn't, clearly wasn't there anymore. And life went on. And I, you know, I have to preface this all with what I say so often because it's true. I, I think I may be the luckiest person on the planet because everything just aligned for me. And the supports that I had were enough. And the people that were in my life, they were enough. And it was it was such that I was able to move adaptively, one foot in front of the other, and then a little bit faster, and then finally to where life, you know, not only looked different and the tears stopped, but that it began, you know, little little glimmers, little rays of of, of course I would call that hope, but but it was meaning came back. You know, um, the first time a person who's had a significant loss laughs out loud, huh. they catch themselves because they think. Well, is that now? Ev- is that an evolution? Is it now? I've I've grown out of that. That metamorphosis. That oh god, what are the the chrysalis? Is now uh, it's in something new on the other side. Yeah, it, that's a perfect analogy. I think that the um, you know you're you're in a new life. And that new life is looking different. And little by little, it's making more or more sense to you. And so as part of that new life that's kind of creating itself and that you're, you know, more and more becoming an active participant in, you're, you're, you know, getting more and more to where you're helping to write the story. And that, you know, for as I've worked with people in grief all these years, that is a huge place to get to where not only is the world, you know, in the early days, you think the world's imposing itself upon you. But as you get to learn more, experience more, the, the you know, time, everybody says time helps and it does. You, you have to be living in this world and you are, whether you like it, hate it or whatever, but you're in it and it's becoming more familiar, more comfortable. And that's kind of what happens. And so little by little, and it could be things that you don't even think are significant, but the first time you laugh out loud, kind of let yourself laugh. That's a big deal. And and then, you know, soon you're, you know, finding great, you know, my friends having a, uh, a celebration because they had a child born. I'm going to go. I'm going to pick out a great gift. And you become excited for things again. And that's the turning point. That's Is the- it always, sorry to interrupt you there for a second. Is it always a different... Um- I guess everybody goes at their own pace though. Right. I mean, there's no, as you said, we just started to allude to earlier, 
I, look, I, I got to just, I'll say what I'm thinking because I always do, <laughs> but I mean, we create these, these things. We, you know, like we were just, you know, monkeys and gorillas. Right. And then, so for us to say like there's stages in grief and all the people who are, are clinical are going to tell me, Tommy, you're wrong, but I'm my argument. And I, you're probably right. I might be wrong. But the thing is like these things, we created them. So are they not just ideas? So whether it be a diagnosis or a, um, uh, or a, a process that we're saying that it goes in these stages, it's man, woman made. It's things, ideas, and concepts that we've created, right? They weren't here for us. They didn't, it wasn't like in a book. It might be in a book now, obviously, but you know where I'm going. So like, there's, there's probably no like real roadmap, you know, like what, like, what is it like anger and then denial and then, or vice, right? Like all these things. And like, Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. It's, see if, um, I'm, if I'm making sense. Because this stages theory began uh, a million years ago, it seems like, but began in 1970-ish. And, um, and so that's when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was, was the first person to introduce stages for people who were terminally ill. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they seem to follow a progression. The challenge with those stages is they're a whole, whole lot messier then, okay, step one is this, and here comes next is this. It's a whole mess, a whole lot messier. And then it co- it's complicated even more because sometimes people are standing there baffled saying, but I'm not angry. Right. I'm not having guilt. I, you know, I'm just lost. And, and so sometimes the stages don't even happen. And I think that's the, um, you know, if there's, as part of this evolution, and, you know, I must also say some people don't, break free you know it's uh, it's a reality that you know it's like i like to think of it as a smaller percentage but there are some people that don't break free they stay stuck in places and um and so it, forever in your experience judy like they're just there this is or or is that their new existence because as you said and as i read even you know and i think it was something i read here um I all, this is a quote, one of your quotes. It says, as I also learned an indelible lesson when a loss occurs, what we thought was our day-to-day normal routine life was something that would never return. So, you know, so it, it obviously, whatever we did on Monday after a loss on Tuesday, it's still there, but it's not the same existence, right? So, so is that what you're saying? Some people might get caught in a new existence or they just not even get through some of this? They cling to the old. And, and so, you know, while, while life does go on and new things are happening, it's the progression is slower. Mm. And, and for those people, so there's the, yeah, and you know, for, for those people where it is slower, it just, you know, it goes back to uh, kind of just giving yourself that permission to say, for me, it's slower. For somebody else, it seems like they're fine after a month. It sounds, that sounds like a little bit about, you know, giving ourselves some grace being compassionate for ourselves, right? Allowing air quotes, a process to take place if it is a process or it's just my process or your process or, or whatever. Um, you, you know, we lost my cousin at, she passed at 31. Uh, my brother-in-law passed at 30. These are tragic situations. And, you, you know, and I don't want to, you know, spend too much time on this. We're going to go to break in a second, but um irreparably changed like maybe that's the wrong word but just complete different on the opposite on the other side of that for for people affected it by by the the, those the uh those who are left the survivors to to cope right so the word irreparably yeah it doesn't come back yeah and i think the acceptance of that and i even hate to use that word acceptance but to embrace that at any level that it's not coming back is to move forward. And so it's that acknowledgement. It's like we have to, otherwise it's like you're stuck in a time warp, right? Where you're never, you're just kind of in, in limbo land. Right. Yeah. This is an incredible conversation. You know, I, I mean, I know about your organization. I know about the hearts, you know, and, and, you know, that's what Roberta and I certainly keyed in on, which we're going to talk about when we come back when she made this connection for me months ago for us. And, um, but I didn't know to the level of depth and, and rawness you and I would get into today. And I'm a pre, I appreciate the candor and, and I'm, I'm excited and, and fired up about this conversation. So thank you for being here. This is really special. Um, I hope you all are digging it too. It's philanthropy and focus. We are going to go to a quick break. Judy, when we come back, 
I want to talk about the programs of the organization. I really want to dive into that because so how you how you took all this and what you're doing to make an impact. Cool. All right, gang, we'll be right back. Philanthropy and Focus, Tommy D, Nonprofit Sector Connector. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You know, sometimes I'll even sing the song for you guys. And, and we have a lot of people listening in on Facebook. And um, so here it is. Cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's what you should do. Teresa Becker, thanks for cutting through the static and checking in on Facebook. Mick Collins and Roberta again. And here's what Teresa has to say. Uh, we are led to believe that grief is a neat process. It isn't. Right. We know that. And she says it's anything but. And Judy, you have such in-depth knowledge on this. And Mick Collins shouting out saying, you know, there's no way to speed run through this. Right. It, it is a process. And it's uh, and, and I guess it, it's really not something we're going to be able to ignore either. It's something that we're going to have to work through one way, uh, one way or the other. And, and, you know, second episode of Philanthropy and Focus back in the day last year. My friend, Dr. Larry Grubler was here and he runs an organization called Transitional Services for New York, which is a mental health agency. And I refer back to this conversation with Dr. Grubler a lot because what he said to me is, you know, Tommy, and I, and I live this way and I believe this. So he said to me, Tommy, we all need a little support once in a while. Maybe it's a little support. Maybe it's a lot of support. But when you think of things, Judy, and when you think in terms of that we're a species and we're all connected and we're all, I, I don't, we don't have, you don't want me to get on the soapbox gang, or maybe you do, but we're all connected to other species. We're all connected to this planet, right? We're supposed to be supporting each other. We're certainly at the very least supposed to be supporting other human beings as, uh, as the rubber band I was putting in my hair snapped. Um, we, we, um, we're certainly supposed to be supporting each other. So Judy, let's talk about how this organization does just that. Let's talk about the support. Let's talk about the programs. Let's talk about the hearts. I mean, I sent you a note the other day and I said, I wanted you to hook up and connect with my friend, Kylie McGrain from the, um, the organization, a moment of magic. And you said you're already, you guys have already done some work with Kylie and, and a mom, right? We made the connection. Yes. So, uh, so I'm excited to, collaborate and uh, we're it's it's in a work in progress so we're going to see how it goes but the collaborations like that are things that we value so much because not only do we get to help each other but we get to spread our missions and no doubt no doubt it's a Two hundred percent two plus two is it might be four and focus might be spelled with an f but in the attic it's not and in <laughs> and in the attic and in my world as a connector Two plus two is some exponential number 
much greater than four. And so by you and Kylie and other organizations, and I have dozens of organizations, and I think you work with Paul Rubin, my friend at Camp uh, Camp Good Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. You know, Paul has been in the attic with me. He's a friend. And these are the organizations that actually excel by coming together and working together. So I want to read something real quick. This is from Judy Peterson. It says, I have the very best job in the world because I get to marry my two passions. I love when people use the word marry. I like to do that too. Use that word marry, not to mean like a romantic marriage. We used to have to marry the ketchups in the restaurant business. I don't know if you ever worked in a restaurant business, but that was, all right. If you, some people are laughing if they have a bus tables, so we used to have to marry the ketchup. All right. <laughs> Let me go back to the quote. The very best job in the world because I get to marry my two passions of serving those who have experienced trauma and tragedy and loss with my over with the overwhelming power of art. What does that look like in in a practical sense, Judy? Yes. So I can tell you that we found, you know, uh, well, I I can back up just a little bit and then I'm going to fast forward a lot. So the uh, to, to go back to when I had experienced loss, fast forward four years from that date. And life, life was moving along. It was great. And I still work in the corporate world. And so I, you know, I thought that was going to be it. And I found an ad in a small paper. You know, at this point, I had, I had reinvested in life. It was great. I met the guy that I'm married to now. He's great. And we were living in upstate New York. And there was a little ad in the paper that said, hospice volunteer wanted. Call this number. I called 50 times. It was like life changed on, on, on a dime because when I read those words, I thought, this is what I'm going to do. Hold on. Hold on. You had to call 50 times? Well, I called maybe four. No, but I mean, you. What I'm thinking they needed the volunteer to answer the phone. That was my joke. I was going to set up. If you've got to call someone. <laughs> yeah, they should have picked up on that first call. I agree with <laughs> But, it, you know, it turned things around. So I knew at that moment when I saw those words that I was not going to be a corporate person anymore. I was going to be at human services. I was going to work with people who had experienced loss, and I did. And so that began uh, several years working as a hospice worker, going back to school. I'd get the, I had to get my MSW. I had nothing. That was, so that. social work was not your thing. You go back, master's of social work, you get a whole new, you know, at, at a point in your life, you already had done a career. You've done something already, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's some, something new. Yeah. And so it, it just never stopped being my passion. And so, uh, so, you know, I found myself with another relocation. The man I'm married to, his job moved him around. So I found myself moved around. And we were in North Jersey. And that's when my husband almost, I mean, I know these were as close to his words as they were. How about that grievance thing you're always talking about? And that grievance thing became Hearts of Hope, which was my dream to have an organization that served people whose loss was from all of the ways that people experience loss. And that, you know, from my years as, as a hospice worker, I realized that it's not a cookie cutter thing that you can offer to people. People are going to like, you know, maybe they're going to embrace sitting one-on-one with a counselor or maybe come to a group or maybe go to a lecture or maybe when, and this is where we started after 9-11 happened and everyone felt so helpless and sad that, what can we do? What can we do? Hearts of Hope, in its form, the community service piece formed then. And so we had, you know, I was super lucky. I knew artists. I knew art therapists. And I had this idea. What if we can invite our whole community and have them come in and create something for the families who had survived 9-11? And, you know, that where their loved ones had died and they were the surviving children or spouses or parents. So we created a small, flat ceramic cart, and that was it. We created hundreds of them, and we created a cart to go along with those hearts. And people came in, hundreds. When I tell you that, you know, I work for a healthcare system, and we were not ready. We were so not ready. Hundreds of people poured in, which in my mind said to me, this is what we embrace. We have this need as human beings, and Tommy, I love the way you talk about connections because as human beings, this is us. You know, it's not, it's not all the negative stuff you read about. It's when something bad happens, we want to reach out and help. 
And so that's what happened times 700 times all these amazing gifts. And, and that was that. And so from there, the organization was formed to offer counseling and education and community service, which to this day is still having a group or an individual or a corporation sit down and paint a ceramic heart. We make them all. So, so where do they, so, so let's talk about that. And by the way, I'm watching us on Facebook. So it's funny. I get to watch us here and I get to watch us there, but I'm watching us because Roberta's checking in and she's telling us that a moment of magic at Western Michigan university has already created hope with us. So, so it's already happening. So thank you from Roberta. Thank you. Some reports from the field, from the front lines, appreciate it right on. So good. And there's, there's such a special organization because they, they have, um, these affiliations across the country at different universities and sororities and fraternities really plug in with a moment of magic. So leveraging each other because of what you're doing will be so fun. I'm glad that that's happening. Um, and then a couple of the boys on Facebook are breaking my chops that they, because they, they were maybe they're not breaking my chops. They're sorry. My rubber band popped off guys. Fortunately, I'm very prepared. I wasn't a boy scout, but I had a second rubber band in my pocket and I was able to fix my hair anyway. So thank you. Everybody being concerned about that. We're good. The hair is good. Thanks. Thanks for that. What happened? with these hearts though like if i so right what goes right away for me is so i have two daughters and two sons and i think of my my younger daughter is a girl scout i know she's a girl scout she's selling girl scout cookies i'm supposed to tell everybody that so if you need cookies call me but i i'm supposed to uh you know with the girl scouts especially i know they do all these service projects and stuff like that Obviously, team building, this makes sense. Like if I had a if if I had a large company and I wanted to bring hearts and tell us about who do the hearts go to, you know, initially, and then they tell tell us that story, like the logistics, if you will. Perfect. Yes. So we make them in two places. Uh, we make them here in Florida, we make them in Connecticut. And they are dispatched. We have we've delivered more than 175,000 of these completed gifts all over the world. And so they get made by hand. And if you could see the process, it's messy, it's chaotic, and it's so much fun. All right, I want to go. Wait, wait, can we can we do that? Like, this is a thing. Like, I, I would, is it your, does the nonprofit make them or is there like a manufacturer that makes them? The nonprofit makes them. So we are, you know, we're mostly volunteers yeah. and our volunteers make these. So we get blocks of clay for 25 pounds each. They get sliced with a little cutter. And then they get rolled through a roller and stamped out like cookies. And then they're dried and then they're fired. And then they get sent out in kits by the thousands. And so I, you know, I, I, I can barely describe the impact of that because it's so broad. But we have every year, we, the number that we deliver, that we create and deliver increases. And so we are well over 10 to possibly 15,000 a year. They get handmade, dried, fired, and dispatched in kids. And what happens when that does happen is so a group will hear about Girl Scouts are wonderful. We do so much with Girl Scouts. And- I, you know, I got to tell this. This is how real time stuff going on. Roberta checking in again. Roberta reporting from the field. Roberta Ginsburg, please. What do you have to tell us? She's telling me. So this is funny because my friend Tammy Severino is the CEO of Girls Inc. out in Suffolk County. And Roberta is saying that Girls Inc. of Suffolk County recently ordered 200 Hope Kits for a major event for the troops, for their troops. So um, shout out Tammy Severino. I, I, you know, listen, uh, depending on when they do that, my dad owns an Italian ice store here on Long Island. And I usually give it to my nonprofit friends. But Tammy, if you're doing that, and it's after the store opens, which will be in about five weeks. I'd like to donate Italian ices and come out and scoop ices for the uh, while they're doing that. If it, if it doesn't work, I want to come scoop ices some other time. But um, <laughs> but Judy, I, I can't help myself. I'm like I, I'm I'm networking. I'm connecting. I'm I'm interviewing. It's so much fun. Uh, it's, so I want to either come down when I'm down in Florida, which I probably will be next month. Uh, maybe I can come and roll out some of these hearts, or maybe I'll do something up in Connecticut, being I'm up here in the Northeast. That's I'm on a I'm on this trip, this campaign called 60 Days of Service. So that's why I said I wanted to know if, if it was the organization making the hearts. So I can because my board of the 60 Days of Service, meaning me, I have to pass everything before Tommy D to see if it counts as and it gets check mark. And usually he lets me he lets me get a check mark for the work I do. He's a good guy. But <laughs> for that. everybody talks about themselves in the third person, right? <laughs> um, yeah, no. <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. We're going to, we got to take one more quick break. When we come back, 
I want to know the future of the organization. Who do you need to meet? Who are the people you want to connect with? It could be as simple as Tommy, look, we need a board member that does this, or we're looking for relationships with a moment of magic or Girl Scouts or whatever. So you have you have about 90 seconds to prepare for that uh, for the lightning round. All right. All right, good. We'll be right back. Tommy D, Judy P in the attic. Right back. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Look, if you are somewhere and there's a bunch of static, my ask is, would you cut through it and join Tommy in his attic? All right, here's the deal. Shout out to Cecia putting up. Uh, Cecia is my executive assistant. She put up some information, the website for ourheartsofhope.org.org. That's where you can find out about this organization. So many people are checking in. You know, other hosts from the network, Eric Sarver's here, and a bunch of your supporters from this organization here, Judy. So let's talk about supporters. Uh, you know, Teresa is a volunteer. Roberta, as a board member and volunteer. What? Tell me about... You have you have the the listening. You have the you have everybody's ears right now. What does this organization need, and how may may I help, or people who are plugged in and listening? How might they help? Yeah, the uh, the mission we we are we are bound and determined to deliver hope to people in need, and so that can be somebody who needs encouragement. That can be somebody who's just had a loss. That can be that can be people in cancer centers. So we want to partner with groups all over the country. And we really have been fortunate to partner with many and, and not only, uh, well, community groups, our, our first chapter started in Newtown, Connecticut after that awful tragedy. You can't believe the things that they do now. And so any anyone that wants to partner with us, we want to partner with you. And I can give you a couple of examples of the ones that, that we've worked with before and would love to work with more. And those are, of course, Girl Scouts, of course, Moment of Magic. And then what we're finding, especially with these past two years where we have been in the attic or we have been, you know, in the... <laughs> Wait a minute. You're not even... Oh, I thought you were up here. You scared me. I thought you were going to come out and sneak out. Like you said, you were in the attic. I got... Whew, whew. I watched a scary movie last night, too. So that would have that I would have been in trouble. <laughs> we've got a rolling table for clay right in the garage so. all right you always got to be ready to make clay ready so i would love to partner with with uh social groups like that i would love if communities want to bring hope to their entire community let's talk we might be able to you know get something going there I want to hook you up. I got to interrupt because I want to hook you up. I sit on the board of an organization called the Spirit of Hunting Canark Center. And of course, Michael Katakis has been on the show as well. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of stacked the deck a little bit. I said I'm going to do a show and interview nonprofit leaders. And it was kind of 
I don't say it's easy, but it was it was convenient because I know a lot of nonprofit leaders and I continue to meet them all the time. So, but Michael's a friend. They just recently asked me to be on the board. Uh, I want to f- figure out. It is an art center. It's here on Long Island, um, and they work with the special needs community. And not only you know from an arts program, but also from an education program. So they serve intellectuals with uh, individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and they do such special work. Uh, but the art thing has been swirling around in my head all, you know, since we started the conversation, I was like, I got to get this in. So we got to figure out a way to put you together with, together with that. You just mentioned something that I'm not sure I'm clear on though. Chapters, you said Newtown, Connecticut. So chapters, is that, does that mean like, what, what, why don't I just ask the question? What does that mean when you say chapters? Yeah, it means that in certain communities, we have two in, in Connecticut and, you know, the bulk of our activity is in uh, well, we've got Florida and we've got North Jersey, but I can tell you what how the first one started, and this is how they go. So there was a, there was an outpouring after the tragedy in at Sandy Hook Elementary, and so we went up there. So it's well, this is the tenth year, so we went up there to deliver. People all over the country called me, and people were creating hope in the form of these beautiful uh, gifts that are the hearts and the messages. We went up there with 2,500 of them, hung them all over town. People discovered them, loved it. And don't you know, I was called and they said, you know, why don't you come here and let's do this for another group? It falls so much in line with this is this is how we are, right? This is what it means to be a human being to say something often awful happened to me. And now I really know what that feels like. And so when it happens to somebody else, I want to help them. And that is how that first chapter began. It was- oh, that's like this whole, I think I saw it on your website too. And it's, it's a movie I've referenced on a show here before, but you know, um, a, the pay it forward concept. And I, and, and, you know, it, these folks that you're talking about who'd gone through such grief and the tragedy of losing a child. And I think a number of teachers lost their lives that day as well. So obviously uh, not just children, uh, but these folks who'd gone through this tragedy we're then able to find a way to pay it forward again, right? It helped them. So, and that's how it goes, right? When when something horrific has ha- happened to you, and that can be anything, one of the most helpful things is to do something for somebody else. And it's helpful for them. It's helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just, so it is selfless, right? Because you're helping somebody else, but it is very supportive of, of our own being as well, right? And I, I will tell you, you know, I, as much as people might think, you know, Tommy's so selfless, he does all these things. I really feel good doing this stuff. So it's kind of, there's a, there's a bent to me going out and working in the toy room at, um, at Little Flower out on Long Island. And, and I feel really good, like I'm making an impact, right? And those kind of things are making sandwiches with my friend Aaron Dinan and, and options for community living and one sandwich at a time and collaborating with that. That's really special. Like, I feel good about it. I, that's so, isn't that, I think it's okay for us to do it to feel good, right? That's perfect, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's going to help our healing. That's kind of the whole point, right? We heal by helping other people. Yeah. And when we hurt so, you know, when the impact of something tragic hurts us so deeply, that's part of how we, you know, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and so in helping somebody else, an equally big benefit is that we help ourselves as well. And so that's exactly what they do at the chapters. Now at the chapters, they're more um, they're they're more self-contained. So there's a chapter in Newtown, and that has a that has a leadership team, and the, all of the chapters work. There's a leadership team every month. They get together, or they have these different events, and they have the community. They invite the community to come out and create art and create hope, which is um, the most important component. By picking up that paintbrush and feeling like a little kid again and thinking about your design and what will be pretty or what will be cool or what will I, what will the other person love? That's helping them too. And then if, and this is my favorite part, if you get the opportunity to be part of taking those creations, those gifts, all accompanied by messages that, that kind of blow you away, and then you get to hand it to somebody. It's amazing. Is a lot of is, is a lot of it that step where they're physically able to give it to someone? Like, because I I imagine like if we send things, I'm assuming, and I might be wrong, but there must be something with veterans or or troops overseas that that there must be a program there, right? 
So some of that, you may never meet this person, right? But some of the, the experience is personal as well. Like, you know, I, I have a friend of mine, Bert Lurch, who uh, we sit on a board together. Um, and he was just mentioning he calls people on Thursdays to gratitude Thursdays, thankful Thursday, I think he calls it. And he recently just called his uh, a teacher that he who was very influential in his life. Um, and she then passed away a couple weeks later, the, the woman. And it, it was so, and she was so grateful. And I don't have time to tell the whole story. We're running out of time here, but it was just, uh, maybe I just told the whole story. It was that, it's that sort of thing. So in a lot of cases, people make them and then hand them to somebody directly as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. And to your point, we've sent these overseas to so many groups and that, you know, that's kind of another component of this, that people are doing this even with kids. Yes. So, you know, the, you get maybe the five-year-olds, they, they don't quite grasp, but, but children know that they're creating for somebody that they may never meet and they're creating something really, really special and they're not keeping it. They're That's giving their hearts away. And there's some, something so, you know, that, that movement, we do have to close the show in a sec here, but there's something of that whole, the gesture, right? At, Somebody was on, actually, Cliff Baker, uh, a need we feed, was on the show a couple weeks ago when I met him in person. We did a quick video. And he goes, Tommy, what we do, that's a win-win-win, isn't it? I go, yeah, it is. I go, it's like, heck yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And that's what I'm hearing here. My condolences to my friend Linda Berman. My condolences to his family. She said, you know, uh, her, her friend just lost her husband to a heart attack, and this information was so valuable. Wow. Oh, my God. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for making that comment. I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody checking in on Facebook. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, if you want to find out more about the organization, uh, hearts, ourheartsofhope.org. Judy, it's been a pleasure to meet you. I, I'm so thrilled you're on the show with me today. Um, I There's a good chance I'm going to be down in Florida, and um, I will threaten you with a good time saying, like, I would like to come and make some hearts and figure this out. In fact, if I do get to, down to Florida, I'll be there on a conference and maybe there's this whole thing where we can take the hearts into the conference and do something pretty cool together. More to come on stuff like that. When you play connector all day, this is the stuff that happens. <laughs> Judy, thank you very much. Gang. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you so you much. You're welcome. I appreciate you. I, I hope to meet you soon in real life. Um, listen, gang, stay tuned. My buddy Steve Fry, the SMB guy is here. Jeremiah Fox after that. This is talkradio.nyc. You're on the Facebook. If you need to get me, just to holler, hey, Tommy D. No, don't do that. Go to Instagram or go to TikTok, TommyD.NYC, or uh, that was funny. Or send me an email, TommyD at philanthropyandfocus.com. I'll see you later. Make it a great day. Thanks again, Judy. Bye. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life hi i'm pat duckworth women's health strategist and host of the hot women rock radio show empowering women leaders at menopause join me every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time 3 p.m uk time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world 
post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 